European Heart Journal, Issue at a Glance. Volume 42, Issue 30. Focus Issue, Valvular Heart Disease. By Editor-in-Chief, Professor Filippo Crea. Read to you by Morgan Bryan. The New Frontiers in Valvular Heart Disease. From Artificial Intelligence to New Pharmacological Targets in Aortic Stenosis. This focus issue on valvular heart disease contains the clinical research article Electrocardiogram Screening for Aortic Valve Stenosis Using Artificial Intelligence, authored by Mikhail Cohen-Shelley and colleagues from the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota, USA. Aortic stenosis, or AS, has been managed by aortic valve replacement, usually when a patient develops symptoms. The authors note, however, that an early detection of AS is becoming increasingly important with a better outcome after aortic valve replacement in asymptomatic severe AS patients and a poor outcome even in moderate AS. They aim to develop an artificial intelligence-enabled electrocardiogram, or AIECG, using a convolutional neural network to identify patients with moderate to severe AS. Between 1989 and 2019, more than 250,000 adults, mean age 63, women 48%, with an echocardiography and an ECG performed within 180 days, were identified from the Mayo Clinic database. Moderate to severe AS by echocardiography was present in 3.7% of patients. AI was performed in 50%, validation in 10%, and testing in 40% of randomly selected subjects. In the test group, AI ECG labelled 3,833, or 3.7% of patients, as positive, with the area under the curve, or AUC, of 0.85. The sensitivity, specificity, and accuracy were 78%, 74%, and 74% respectively. The model performance increased when age and sex were added to the model, AUC 0.87, which further increased to 0.90 in patients without hypertension. Patients with false positive AI ECG had twice the risk of developing moderate or severe AS in 15 years compared with true negative AI ECGs hazard ratio 2.18. Cohen-Shelley conclude that an AIECG can identify patients with moderate or severe AS and may serve as a powerful screening tool for AS in the community. The contribution is accompanied by an editorial by Jun Myung Kwon from the Mediplex Sejong Hospital in South Korea. The authors note that AI was introduced in the 1950s. Since then, two AI winter periods of reduced funding and interest in AI research have occurred. These winter periods were due to disappointment from unsatisfactory real-world performances following extravagant endorsements of the idea that AI can solve all problems. Furthermore, unreasonable and unexplainable AI decisions contributed to the recurrence of these winter periods. It is clear that AI exhibits significant potential in the field of medicine. It can improve diagnostic accuracy and support clinical decisions for many diseases. However, the disadvantages of AI should be identified and efforts should be expended to overcome its limitations. This would enable us to continue developing AI technology for medical applications, 
e.g. AI based on deep learning for improving the early diagnosis and prevention of irreversible cardiovascular disease progression. Reports have suggested an increased risk of aortic and mitral regurgitation associated with oral fluoroquinolones, or FQs, resulting in a safety warning published by the European Medicines Agency, or EMA. However, these findings have not yet been replicated. In a clinical research article entitled Oral Fluoroquinolones and Risk of Aortic or Mitral Regurgitation, a nationwide nested case control study, Jarl Emanuel Stranger from the University Hospital Herlev Gentofte in Hellerup, Denmark, conducted a nested case control study in a nationwide cohort of individuals between 2005 and 2018 using the Danish administrative registers. Cases were defined as first occurrence of aortic or mitral regurgitation. Exposure of interest was the use of oral FQs. Hazard ratios, or HRs, with 95% confidence intervals, or 95% CIs, were obtained by fitting time-dependent Cox regression models, with penicillin V as comparator, to assess the association between FQ use and incident valvular regurgitation. The authors identified 38,370 cases of valvular regurgitation, with more than a million matched controls. FQ exposure was not significantly associated with increased rates of aortic or mitral regurgitation, HR 1.02, compared with penicillin V users. Investigating the cumulative defined daily dose, or CDDD, of FQs yielded similar results with no significant association between increasing FQ use and valvular regurgitation e.g. HR 1.08 for CDDD greater than 10, compared with CDDD 1 to 5. The authors conclude that in this nationwide nested case control study, FQs are not significantly associated with increased rates of valvular regurgitation and that their findings do not support the possible causal connection between FQ exposure and incident valvular regurgitation. The contribution is accompanied by an editorial by Stefan Orgeval from the Oslo University in Norway. As the results of the present article contradict previous results, Professor Orgeval agrees with the authors that further research is needed before conclusions can be drawn regarding the safety of FQs pertaining to valvular regurgitation. Until this information is available, physicians should weigh the benefit-stroke risk ratio when selecting FQs for patients with valvular heart disease when alternative antibiotics are available. Transcatheter aortic valve implantation, or TAVI, has expanded rapidly for the treatment of systematic severe aortic valve stenosis, or AS, after multiple randomized clinical trials have demonstrated TAVI to be either non-inferior or superior to surgical aortic valve replacement, or SAVAR, in short and mid-term outcomes. In a clinical research article entitled Eight Years Outcomes for Patients with Aortic Valve Stenosis at Low Surgical Risk, Randomized to Transcatheter versus Surgical Aortic Valve Replacement. Trolls Hoisgaard Jorensen from the Copenhagen University Hospital in Denmark and colleagues note that the aims of this post hoc analysis of the Notion trial, 
in which patients with symptomatic severe AS at low surgical risk were randomized to TAVI or surgical SAVAR, were to compare clinical outcomes and valve durability after eight years of follow-up. In a total, 280 patients were randomized to TAVI, N equaling 145, or SAVAR, N equaling 135. After eight years of follow-up, the estimated risk of the composite outcome of all-cause mortality, stroke, or myocardial infarction was 55% after TAVI, and 55% after SAVAR, P equaling 0.93. The estimated risk of all-cause mortality, stroke, or myocardial infarction were also similar after TAVI and SAVAR. The risk of structural valve deterioration was lower after TAVI when compared to SAVAR. 14% versus 28%, P equaling 0.0018, whereas the risk of bioprosthetic valve failure was similar, 8.7% versus 10.6%. The authors conclude that in patients with severe aortic valve stenosis and low surgical risk, there are no statistically significant differences in the risk of all-cause mortality, stroke or myocardial infarction as well as the risk of bioprosthetic valve failure after eight years of follow-up for patients randomized to TAVI or SAVAR. The contribution is accompanied by an editorial by Catherine Otto and Sekiret Otunji from the University of Washington School of Medicine in Seattle, Washington, USA. They note that the TAVI versus SAVAR choice for aortic valve intervention has been an area of vast research over the past two decades yet there's still a lot of questions that need to be answered. While the results of this study are reassuring for TAVI regarding both clinical outcomes and valve durability, long-term data are needed before indiscriminately applying transcatheter valve therapy to younger, low-surgical risk patients. As long-term data on TAVI valve durability become available, the age range for recommending TAVI over SAVAR may shift, but at this time patients younger than 65 should undergo SAVAR and patients aged 65 to 80 should be engaged in a shared decision-making between the patient and the heart team, with special attention given to the next aortic valve intervention. TAVI is preferred over SAVAR for most patients over the age of 80 unless valve or vascular anatomy is unfavourable, other conditions warrant concurrent surgical treatment, or the patient prefers SAVAR after consideration of patient-specific factors, preferences and values. The introduction of combination antiretroviral therapy has dramatically improved the prognosis for people living with HIV or PLWH, but long-term survival remains lower among PLWH than among uninfected individuals. This is partly explained by an increased incidence of cardiovascular disease, and PLWH have been reported to be twice as likely to develop cardiovascular disease compared to the general population. Little is known about the prevalence of aortic aneurysms among PLWH. In a clinical research article, HIV infection is associated with thoracic and abdominal aortic aneurysms, a prospective-matched cohort study. Susanna Dam-Nilsson from the Riggs Hospitaler in Copenhagen, Denmark and colleagues investigated whether HIV status is independently associated with having aortic aneurysms. Furthermore, they determined risk factors associated with aortic aneurysms in PLWH. 
about 600 PLWH aged 40 years or older were recruited from the Copenhagen Comorbidity and HIV Infection Study and matched on age and sex with uninfected controls, N equaling 1,188, from the Copenhagen General Population Study. Aortic dimensions were assessed using contrast-enhanced CT. The authors found 46 aneurysms in 42 PLWH, or 7.1%, and 31 aneurysms in 29 of the uninfected controls, or 2.4%, B being less than 0.001. PLWH had a significantly higher prevalence of especially ascending aortic aneurysms and infrarenal aortic aneurysms. In an adjusted model, HIV was independently associated with aortic aneurysms. Adjusted odds ratio 4.51. Within PLWH, obesity and hepatitis B co-infection were associated with aortic aneurysms. The authors conclude that PLWH have fourfold higher odds of aortic aneurysms compared to uninfected controls, that HIV status is independently associated with aortic aneurysms. Among PLWH, age, obesity and hepatitis B co-infection is associated with higher odds of aortic aneurysm. The manuscript is accompanied by an editorial by Priscilla Su from the San Francisco General Hospital in California, USA. The author concludes that this study extends upon the already robust body of research over decades demonstrating high rates of atherosclerosis in heart, brain, and now the abdominal vasculature in the setting of HIV. Taken collectively, the findings further underlie the critical need for larger, longer, and mechanistically detailed studies in a diverse HIV population. Calcific aortic valve disease, or CAVD, is burdened by high morbidity and mortality associated with aortic sclerosis and stenosis. Currently, there is no pharmacological treatment for CAVD. Interventions targeting CAVD risk factors, such as lipid-lowering therapy, fail to suppress CAVD progression. Therefore, research for identifying more suitable therapeutic options is ongoing. The phenotypic switching of human aortic valve interstitial cells, or HVICs, to an osteoblast-like phenotype is recognized as the fundamental hallmark of valvular calcification. Thus, effective strategies to prevent the osteogenic differentiation of HVICs may provide novel therapeutic options for CAVD. Dual-specificity protein phosphatases, or DUSPs, are protein tyrosine phosphatases. Dual-specificity phosphatase 26, or DUSP26, a DUSP family member, regulate cell proliferation by dephosphorylating FAS-associated protein with death domain. In a translational research article entitled DUSP26 induces aortic valve calcification by antagonizing MDM2-mediated ubiquitination of DPP4 in human valvular interstitial cells. Yongzhong Wang from the Huazong University of Science and Technology in Wuhan, China and colleagues evaluated the role and therapeutic value of dual-specificity phosphatase 26, or DUSB26, in CAVD. 
microarray profiling of human calcific aortic valves, or CAVs, and normal controls demonstrated that DUSP26 was significantly upregulated in CAVs. APOE knockout mice fed a normal diet or a high cholesterol diet, or HCD, were infected with adeno-associated virus serotype 2, or AAV2, carrying DUSP26 short hairpin RNA, or AAV2SH DUSP26, to examine the effects of DUSP26 silencing on aortic valve calcification. DUSP26 silencing ameliorated aortic valve calcification in HCD-treated APOE knockout mice, as evidenced by reduced thickness and calcium deposition in the aortic valve leaflets, improved echocardiographic parameters, decreased peak transvalvular jet velocity, and mean transvalvular pressure gradient, as well as increased aortic valve area, and decreased levels of osteogenic markers, RUNX2, Osterix, and osteocalcin, in the aortic valves. Functional assays revealed that dipeptidyl peptidase 4, or DPP4, interacted with DUSP26 to mediate the procalcific effects of DUSP26. The authors conclude that DUSP26 promotes aortic valve calcification by inhibiting DPP4 degradation. These findings identify a previously unrecognized mechanism of DPP4 upregulation in CAVD, suggesting that DUSP26 silencing or inhibition is a viable therapeutic strategy to impede CAVD progression. The manuscript is accompanied by an editorial by Elena Aikawa and Maximilian Rogers from the Harvard Medical School in Boston, Massachusetts, USA. The authors conclude that overall, the findings of Wang et al. are very interesting, as they offer a novel CAVD regulatory pathway and further support a greater need to better understand how proteostasis, or protein homeostasis, is altered in cardiovascular diseases, including CAVD. While not performed in this study, comparative unbiased multi-omics approaches might help elucidate further CAVD proteostasis mechanisms. This issue is also complemented by two discussion forum contributions. In a commentary entitled, The Genus of COVID-19, From Registry Data to Prospective Studies, Robert Sykes from the University of Glasgow and colleagues comment on the recent publication Patterns of Myocardial Injury in Recovered Troponin-Positive COVID-19 Patients Assessed by Cardiovascular Magnetic Resonance by Tusha Kotecha from the University College London in the United Kingdom. Kotecha et al. respond in a separate comment. The editors hope that this issue of the European Heart Journal will find the interest of its listeners.